maybe it's possible to do that. But then there, but there were still the, I think the, the psychological or mindset barrier that, wow, can, can I actually buy something that large for that amount of money? You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome back, Right Club Nation, to another amazing episode of the Right Club Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah Larby. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Coming off of an amazing, amazing workshop yesterday, Claire Drange and her team at the Windrose Group put together an amazing multifamily workshop where, oh man, people were like walking out of there with their heads like exploding with what they did. So yeah, really, really good. Feeling good. Little, little tired from today from a lot of all the information overload, but uh, but doing really well. I know it was an awesome workshop. Probably the favorite of all time for me. I mean, it's one of those days where like the time just flies. I think we started at what, 8.30, 9 o'clock, and then it went right to the end of the day, and then we went out afterwards. But the content is just insane, like how much information you get from, from this event. And also the workshop was awesome because then you get to apply all of the stuff that you learned in the morning towards the end of the afternoon, and you can put it into practice and practice on some real multifamily properties that are actually out in the market, analyze them, make pretend offers, et cetera. Like it was actually really cool. And there's like a lot of stuff that I, I learned that I didn't even know. Like, I don't know if you, uh, if you knew this, but a tri triplex as an example, if it's legal, but not conforming, as soon as a tenant moves out, it could be 30 days, 60 days, you know, all of a sudden you have another tenant. If a, if a neighbor complains, the triplex could be deemed no longer non-conforming, but then it can become potentially illegal. So, like, I don't know, that was kind of news to me. Yeah, I, I, I did not know that. And, you know, living in a triplex, luckily my clients are have lots of leases and they're all signed up leases and they're all good. But uh, I know, even yeah. just renovating it, right? So, like, if you renovate it, I mean... But yeah, the fact that the tenant could be gone for like there or could there could be no tenants and then all of a sudden you put in the tenant, you are changing it. So I don't know, like it's really interesting. Guys, reach out to Claire Drage. I mean, she is a wealth of knowledge and she can probably explain it a lot better than I can. But I just I bought my triplex in Hamilton, right, Alfonso? So I'm going through the whole legalization process anyways, because it's actually just a single family right now. But once that's done, it'll be fine. But it is really interesting to see. And obviously her famous like purview report. I love that. You get tons of information. But there's like so many other things that I learned. Took lots of notes, the whole workbook. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, reviewing them. Absolutely. And, the, and that's the cool part is that it's such a combination of a multiple things throughout the days where there's so much information to learn. There is actually the workshop component of acti actually applying some of the things that we've learned. And then, you know, we do still have the networking breaks in between and have some breaks and just the energy in the room. And, you know, you can see the light bulbs going off in people's minds and, you know, the excitement, the inspiration in that room. There's still people in there that have a whole bunch of multi-unit buildings that are in the room that just want to continue to improve themselves. And I think that's kind of like an underlying thing with the Right Club is that no matter where you're at is that you want to continue to grow, whether that's properties, yourself, your information, your knowledge, your network right? Is that there's so many different avenues and different ways to grow. And 
yeah, it, it was such an amazing combination of different things. And, and yeah, over 100 people that came out on a Saturday, a full day, like you said, from early in the morning, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we had the, the stragglers that went back to, uh, what was it, Jack Astor's afterwards that were networking into uh, the wee hours, right? But, um, yeah, really, really good day, a lot of good energy. But today, you know, staying on the multi-unit uh, track and also flips, Mark Baltazar is regular at the Right Club. And I've had quick conversations with him in the Right Club, but really cool interview today. A guy that has done it, that started off of doing some flip properties and not even maybe his first deal. He didn't even, wasn't even sure he wanted to put the offer in to now growing his portfolio to multiple, multiple doors. I think he said over 20 doors of the multifamily. He's done over 20 flips properties as well too. So just amazing, amazing interview. The guy that's doing it, he's actually doing it, right? Anyways, so let's, uh, let's get on with the show and, uh, and we'll come back afterwards. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Mark, to the show. How are you? Uh, great, great. Thanks for having me on. Excellent, excellent. So really excited to have you on. You actually presented as part of Claire Drage's event yesterday, and you probably had the clearest explanation of how to calculate a cap rate, how to use it, why to use it. It was amazing, and I definitely wanted to touch base on that a little bit, but first and foremost, Maybe give the Right Club Nation a little bit of information about you, how you got started in real estate and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So how I got started, I guess over, over four years ago, about four and a half years ago is when I invested in my first property. I guess prior to that, even two years prior to that, I started listening to podcasts, went to a couple weekend courses, as many kind of the way many people start. And uh, I procrastinated for a while, actually. And my first, my first entry or first project was really supposed to be a wholesale deal, which turned into a flip deal, which you know kind of set me on a, a very different path. So I started a real estate investment company about four and a half years ago. Prior to that, I had, and I still do own part of a marketing research company in Toronto, which has kind of helped shape the growth of the real estate investing business. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. So about four, yeah, four and a half years ago, you said it kind of started as a, uh, as a wholesale and it ended up into kind of a flip. So that's a cool thing with real estate, right? It can go in so many different directions depending on the strategy. So kind of maybe walk us through how you, maybe you found that first deal, why you wanted to do a flip, and then how it ended up turning into, uh, into what yeah. it did. Yeah, sure, sure. So I, I didn't, so I had no idea what wholesaling was until I went to some of these courses and, and podcasts. And a lot of the podcasts then were, were U.S. podcasts. So I think kudos to you guys doing what you're doing in terms of Canadian content, which is much, much needed. And so figured out what wholesaling was and I applied some of the strategies taught in some of these courses, you know, signs and internet marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And I did that for, I'd say about five months and invested money in marketing for motivated sellers. And it's really interesting. I think back to this one property and by, by this time I had gone to see about 20 properties, put offers on maybe three or four. And it's like, oh man, this, this stuff doesn't work, right? This is, you know, this is just in the U.S. It doesn't work. And a deal popped up. Uh, they phoned, you know, phoned the number that I had and, 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 and it so happened to be literally about two minutes from where I currently live. And it was, uh, I think it was like a Sunday, Sunday morning. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. I mean, this stuff doesn't work, but I'll, I'll just go. I'll just go check it out. And I'm so glad that I did because it ended up being someone who really needed to sell their house. They were an older couple. They, you know, were moving into a retirement home and they had this property that's to get rid of with a lot of junk and stuff in it. And uh, ended up closing on that deal. And 
So when I closed, so I closed on it and the plan was to close on it and then sell it to another investor, which, which I had a few in my network. And so uh, I asked a colleague of mine uh, if they wanted to buy it and they said, sure, but how about we partner? Why don't we partner on the flip? So instead of making 20K in an assignment deal, that's what I, I would have made. He said, you know, why don't we partner and we can make a little bit more? And I said, well, I don't know anything about construction, nor do I want to lift the hammer and all that stuff. I don't really want to be too involved in the project from a construction end, but sure, let's do that. We did that and it worked out, worked out quite well. This is when the market was a little hotter than it is today. And that was, that really set the stage for, you know, 20 more. So it kind of did 20 over the last three and a half years or so and started kind of day one putting systems and processes in place. And I'm still working with that partner today. So it's pretty seamless kind of on a, so I have two, two divisions, a flip division and a multifamily division. And the flip division kind of, uh, I wouldn't say runs on autopilot, but there's processes and systems in place that kind of run, run almost on its own, which is, which, you know, if I look back at that property, you know, it was one that I almost didn't go see. And uh, I think it's just a lesson. Just keep going, keep going. You're almost there You know, for those that are getting started and kind of get knocked down and see barriers and, and, uh, and, and mountains to climb. You're almost there. That's awesome. That's uh, those are really, really great accomplishments and not that many years. And prior, you mentioned that you were building a marketing research agency. And can you tell us about that, what it is and how that's helped you with your real estate? Yeah, sure. So my background, so I went to school for marketing and then took a specialization in statistics and statistics really allows us in the backbone of market research and helps you figure out what data means and interpretation. And uh, so I joined a company that was about a year old, about 15 years ago or so, maybe yeah, about 15 years ago. And at that time we were three people. And so I bought in a few years as a partner and we grew it to 30. And essentially what we do is we work with global brands, some Canadian, some global, larger brands uh, in the consumer space, the retail space, and the consumer goods space. And we help them figure out what people think about them, how to shape their brand, how to develop their value, brand value proposition, how to launch new product, products in different markets. And so the, the analytics side, the, the research side, the due diligence side of that work carries over to the real estate business, the spreadsheets, the figuring out what, you know, what value means, what ROI means, how to add value, brand positioning, communication, how I dealt with clients in that business carries over how to how I deal with clients and joint venture partners to this business. So it's, I think, a lot of similarities just in, in, in any business. This one so happened to be market research, which has a lot of, you know, parallels to what I'm doing now. So um, yeah, it was, it was a great I still I still own part of it. It's at a size where I don't have to be involved in the day-to-day operations, which has allowed me to step back a little bit from that one and spend the majority of my time on the real estate business. Yeah, and, and that's so vital to have that background with with what all of us do in terms of our real estate investing careers. We're all marketing, we're all selling, we're all finding different types of, whether it's tenants or investors or, or JV partners, all that different yeah. type of stuff. So that that background... I'm sure it comes in so handy. And I think a lot of investors forget that is if you're an investor. People think, oh, you're buying properties, you're renting them out, or, you know, like you said, you're, you're flipping them and then you're selling them. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a business just like any other business, whether you're selling hamburgers or, or clothes or anything like that. So that's sure. kind of cool that that overlap and it allows you to look at the statistics maybe in certain market centers or areas. So that first property, well, where was that? So it was in Brampton. It was in uh, Brampton. So, so it was okay. in Brampton. 
And uh, yeah, it was a single family detached home, dated. It was built in the eight, 1980 and it still had the same carpet, same kitchen. So it was, it was really dated. It was ready for some, uh, some flip oh, love to, to, to upgrade. It, yeah, big time, big time. So it was just, a, it was kind of the perfect storm. The market was, the market was good. It was kind of increasing. And uh, these people, they needed to get out. They didn't want to deal with the real estate agent. They just wanted to have a clean deal. They picked their closing date. We settled on a price that made sense for me, made sense for them, and also their family because their 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 kids were involved as well. And so it was a win-win. And that that kind of opened my eyes to the model, at least firsthand, because you know I read about it, listened to a lot of podcasts about it, but didn't actually get my hands dirty to work in that model. And once I did that, I was like, okay, it really works. It just takes, you know, it just takes um, like anything takes effort, right? So. Absolutely. Hey, Right Club Nation. This week's sponsor is Emil Jelnik. Emil is a mortgage broker that has personally helped me grow my real estate portfolio and rent of own business for years now. The really cool thing is that he started out like most of us with no property and no money. Over his investing career, he was able to accumulate over 200 units. The beauty is that with the meal, you not only get the mortgage you need, but you get investing advice from someone there that has been there and done it and has the experience. Absolutely. Now, if you're just getting started or perhaps you already have many properties or even if you want to get into commercial investing, Emil can help you. And he's already helped many of our Right Club Nation listeners. He's very focused on helping you and our listeners meet their financial dreams. So if you wanted to reach out and call Emil, you can call him at 416-402-7448 or visit his website, which is jellyneckmortgages.ca. If you want to get to know more about Emil, you can check out his episode of our podcast, episode number 21, and get to know Emil a little bit better yourself. But for now, back to the podcast. That's sometimes the, the best way to learn is just getting into it and just doing it and getting it done versus the analysis paralysis and reading Absolutely. and analyzing and everything like that. So me personally, that's how I learned the best by just getting things done and then just figuring out how I'm going to get better next right. time around. Now, I do want to jump ahead a little bit because you went from, from the smaller types of properties into multifamily. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about why you made that jump, how you made that jump, and then what you're doing right now with multifamily? Sure, sure. So, uh, so after the flips, then I did acquire some duplexes, triplex, fourplex, and uh, the plan from the beginning was to leverage wholesaling to generate cash on an ongoing basis and then port that money into buy and hold properties. And so I started doing that. And in the meantime, in the background, my network included people that were in, some, in multifamily, some just starting and some kind of in a, in a bigger way with 100 million plus uh, portfolios. And I kind of saw the... I guess the efficiencies in buying multifamily. So instead of buying 10 single family homes, we'll just buy one building. Um, that was, that was kind of one of the, I guess, first eye openers, um, one first perspective that I saw I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's possible to do that. But then there, but there were still the, I think the, the psychological or mindset barrier that, wow, can, can I actually buy something that large for that amount of money? I was able to get over that through coaching and just, again, just really 
picking the brains of, of some of the people in my network. And then the other thing that kind of really tipped the scale, and this is you know what I talked about yesterday at the at the multifamily seminar, was just the the multiplicative effect of of improvements, right? So you know, a fifty dollar increase in rent on a single family home is a, is a, is a fifty dollar improvement in, in value, give or take. In multifamily, it's, it, it's multiplied by the cap rate, essentially. And that kind of, you know, as a statistics guy and a math guy, I was like, holy smokes, it's pretty crazy. So you apply similar effort. I mean, there's, there's, there's pros and cons. It's similar effort, but you get this large increase. And again, the goal being to build generational wealth for myself, but also my JV partners, I found that as a way to, with similar amounts of energy, I can build generational wealth faster and potentially even larger. Um, and so those were kind of the those were kind of the key points that really opened my eyes to to that asset class and and so have have a few buildings and continue to, and on a weekly basis I'm looking at different markets and visiting buildings all the time now to to try to acquire it, it it's it's become a, a fairly hot market so there's multiples on buildings now which didn't exist a few years ago but uh, but anyways it's it's uh, which is it's a good good thing I think once you once you own them you can see that the value is going to go up because it, it is a hot asset class. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Now, there's a lot of people that are probably wondering, okay, what does this $50 increase mean and how does it actually work exponentially? And you've explained it so clearly yesterday. I'm hoping, I know we we obviously aren't going to be able to show people on an actual screen what the numbers look like, but are you able to to explain what that means and what this exponential growth is and using the cap rate, et cetera? Sure, sure. So I'll, I'll try to do my best with a visual. So if you take an example of, so let's say you have 10 single family homes, uh, or even, even if a duplex, you know, uh, let's say five duplexes, you know, 10 doors, and you increase the rent for each of those doors by, by $50. So you have 10, so it's $500 a month that you're, you're increasing, multiplied by 12. So it's about $6,000 in, in extra gross income. So from a single family standpoint, it's $6,000 in extra uh, gross income. Now, the value may be a little bit more when you're trying to sell it to an investor, but essentially the way banks value and investors value single family home versus multifamily is with a cap rate. And so when you're, when you're valuing a multifamily using a cap rate, you now multiply that increase in, in income or net operating income, assuming that that $50 you know, there was no cost to increase that. There's assumptions there. So now, so if you take the single family home, you've increased it by $6,000 a year, let's say. If you take that six, that same $6,000 in a multifamily asset that now gets valued not just by the stream of income, but it's a, a multiplicative effect using a cap rate. Let's say a cap rate is 5%. Quick math I remember from yesterday, that same $6,000 in increased revenue actually equates to 100 and $20,000 in, in value to the building. And that's what the bank would value at. And so if you're refinancing or another investor may value it that way as well to an investor or refinancing, you're essentially extracting not $6,000 in value, but $120,000 in value just by that $50 increase uh, per month. Wow. Yeah. I, I remember you putting that slide up there yesterday. I was just sitting back and I was like, wow, it's just, it's the same $50 increase, but the power that it has and the way that it's viewed from from the banks or from the lenders, right, is it's just much more powerful and much quicker to leverage, right, where you can do mm-hmm. that on, you know, if you do that on two buildings that you have, wow, like you can really, really uh, extract that. So I guess, obviously, that's a huge advantage and, and there's economies of scale. And I think, you know, a few other people talked about it in the multifamily world that 
if you have a single family house, maybe you're only changing two toilets versus a multifamily where you're changing out, I don't know, 20 toilets, let's say in a building or something like that, where you can get a better deal on that, on that type of thing. What other, what are other things that you can take advantage of when, when you have that many units or, or, or take advantage of having the multi versus a single family or smaller duplexes, triplexes? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, uh, so, so the strategy that I use is, so I don't buy turnkey properties. So I buy undervalued, undermanaged properties. Um, so essentially it's like, you know, you're buying a business. So almost if you think of the mergers and acquisition space or the acquisition space in any business, you're buying something that, that you think is, or at least the buyer thinks is underperforming and you can add value. So all the stuff that I've, that I've purchased and continue to look for are things that are under undervalued. And a big part, a big chunk of the way we add value is through increasing rents. To do that typically requires an upgrading of the units, right? So, you know, renovations, essentially. And so the beauty about even just the renovation strategy, the building, the footprint of each of the units are typically the same or very, very similar. So just from an efficiency standpoint, so, you know, you have a contractor or a team that you know, creates a blueprint for unit one. Well, that same blueprint, that same square footage, that same design is applied to 15 other units. So you have major, major efficiencies uh, there. So aside from the efficiency part, it's, it's a very stable asset class. I'd say it's probably one of the more stable asset classes in real estate. When the market is going up from a, just from a pricing index standpoint or a housing standpoint, when prices are going up, uh, people need rental units. And so that asset class, that class stays strong. When the economy starts to dip, people need rent, rental units. So that asset class still stays strong. To do that, I buy uh, only in places that have strong transit, strong economics, you know, GDP, job growth, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. I don't personally buy in small, small markets because it doesn't have that insulating effect. But the, the stability of the asset class is, is what is, is quite appealing for me and my joint venture partners. A lot of my joint venture partners that put capital into these projects, aren't looking for the quick fix return. This is generational money for them too, retirement money for some. Some of my joint venture partners have timed it such that when the projects pay out, it's when their kids are going to university. So this is 10 years, eight years from now. So it provides that stability. You know it's going to go up over a long, especially a period of time such as that. So there's a few few benefits that way. It's, it's, it's boring. Right. I mean, it's not, you know, you're not seeing 40% of your growth, but, we, you know, we target buildings uh, that are anywhere from 15 to 20% for the, for the JV partner. So it's still, you know, still pretty strong. Okay. I was curious, actually, and you kind of answered the question about how you're financing all of these projects and you mentioned joint venture partners. And at what point in your investing career did you say, I've got to get some JVs on board or some other partners on board so I can scale? And was that when you we when you were doing the flips from the start or throughout at some point? Yes. So yeah, great question. So so it did. So the the idea of JV partners, I knew it existed. Kind of this, you know, the idea. I actually, when I first started, and again, you hear a lot of this coming out of the U.S. and and in, in Canada now, and the strategy still works. Is you know, buy buy property with none of your own money. And when people first hear that, they're like, oh, how is that possible? It's got to be a scam. Is it a pyramid scheme? It, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that go through people's mind. And I, I was one of them. I thought the same. How is that possible? And, and then I was at, I think, I think year one, we had three flips going and they're all funded with my money and my partner's money. And there were still other leads coming through from properties. At that point, we realized, well, we have no more money to spend on flips. 
let's start getting investors. And at that time, we didn't actively, there wasn't a strategy to go get JVs. What had happened is after the first one, people in our inner circle started seeing what we were doing and asked us, can we put some money in the projects? And at that point, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that even works. But we educated ourselves over the, you know, the next few months and then, and, and so started to learn how to actually uh, take in money from other people and apply it to projects, et cetera. So it started from the, the wholesaling or sort of closer the flip phase, I guess, of the business and has carried on through, you know, the multifamily today. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I know, you know, myself we're in JAG, we work with several joint venture partners and, and I always say almost the investors, money or their partnerships more important than mine because you're relying on that and they're putting their faith effort and, and money into, into you to get that project done. So that, that's amazing how you've been able to kind of scale that up and, and basically, you know, give amazing returns for, for, for partners, you know, in those numbers that you're sitting in the, in the teens and, you know, around that for, call it boring, but a lot of people that yeah. that's what it's, you know, that that's what it should be. It should be boring. If it's too yeah. exciting, you know, yeah, maybe there's a crazy high return, but sure. there might be a big downside as well too. So um, what are some of the challenges that you've kind of had to overcome throughout, whether it was the flipping through the multi, kind of the learning curves, or, or you know, maybe a, a couple of projects? What are some of the big challenges that maybe you can share with, with the, the Right Club Nation to kind of improve ourselves as well? Yeah, so I think, you know, there's been a few. There's been a lot of learning curves and I think that kind of just makes you stronger. I think the big one is time. So I think I'm still, you know, actively running running two businesses and even in the real estate side of this peak property investments, there's there's two divisions, flips and multifamily. So I think, you know, time management is a big thing. You know, knowing knowing when to say no, you know, knowing when you should not go to certain outing uh, to focus your time on, you know, what you really have to do. So I think time management is a is a big thing. Um, I mean, we all have the same amount of time to do work, but I think uh, what I'm what I'm getting better at. I'm not the greatest is saying no to things. For example, so I spent a lot of years, uh, even up, up until last year, coaching coaching a hockey team, rep hockey team. I have three kids, and and they're all into rep hockey. So I I coach rep hockey, and I love it. Like it's it's I love doing it. I love seeing the kids grow and develop and become better hockey players. And this coming year, so I've decided not to be a head coach. And it took me a while to, you know, talk to my wife about it. And I was like, you know, I, I really want to do it, but I can't. I can't, you know, dedicate that amount of time while trying to grow businesses. And so it's making decisions like that. There's going to be some things that you really, really love to do that you probably have to walk away from in order to grow your business. What helped me do that, and, you know, I think a lot of people talk about it, is understanding what you're, why, why are you doing what you're doing? For me, on my vision board, board, my kids, right? So I have three boys, seven, seven, eight, and 10. And when things get tough, when, when, you know, when up late at night, and it's like, why, why am I doing this at this time? It's like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm building this for my family and my kids. And I, you know, I kind of, you get a little choked up about it, but that, if it chokes you up, then it's going to get you through those, through those, those, those speed bumps. So I think, I think time management, knowing when to say no, is I think a big thing. There's a lot of resources out there that tell you and can show you how to do, approach the proper steps, which seems easy on paper and a lot of coaches, but I think it's going to be the internal struggle, right? It's going to be the internal struggle. That's probably the most challenging. That's in terms of what I experienced. Yeah, absolutely. You know, time management is a crucial piece. I mean, personally for me, I mean, I'm still working full time. I'm doing all this right club stuff, the podcast, real estate investing, 
And I find delegation is huge. Mm. So, you know, something like hiring out a chef. So I have a chef that comes as an example every single week and it actually doesn't cost as much as people think, but then she prepares all the food for the week. And then I will hire out like pretty much like any small things like chores (laughs) that I don't fully enjoy doing. And that's for me, that's what I find that works. And, you know, waking up early as well. Like what are some of the things other than saying no, that you found has worked for you and do you delegate any of it? Yeah. So my wife, uh, has now been helping me on the real estate business for about a year now in doing the things that I, I don't like doing, but has helped, has, has freed me up big time. So a lot of the accounting, not even bookkeeping, because we have a bookkeeper, but just even organizing the files on the properties that I, I do manage. So I do have property management in place for some properties, but some of the single family homes and, and uh, duplexes that I still own, she manages that. So the filing of forms, the end forms from the LTV if we need to, dealing with rent. So all that stuff she is now dealing with, which is, and, and even just yesterday I said, you know, I'm so glad that you enjoy, or she might not enjoy it 100%, but enjoys it more than I do. But the fact that she's able to do that, I'm able to do other things, other such as you know, dealing with you know investors uh, or joint venture partners, etc. Website stuff. I am. I have experimented with virtual assistants for just smoothing out some content and blog posts and writing. So I want to spend a little bit more time writing. I'm still trying to find the right one. So if you have any recos in terms of that kind of stuff, I'm all ears because I know it's it's take that. I've gone through a couple just to see. So I'm looking for more ways to do that. And on the research business, I've been able to do that. So I'm looking to apply the same strategies and techniques here. Yeah, and it's interesting. It doesn't, you know, when you're starting, you have a whole set of problems. As you're growing, you have yeah. a whole set of problems. And then as you know, as you are established and have like a pretty significant portfolio and and joint venture partners, there's a whole other set of problems, right? So we're continuing you know, to, to solve problems and find new and inefficient ways to make you know, all of our businesses more streamlined. And I think whether it's you know, the birth strategy, the multifamily or flips or rent to own, we all share the same struggles of different challenges of how we can become more efficient and better. And that's what the cool part is, is you know, having someone like yourself in the right club rooms that's sharing the experiences with other people that's saying, Hey, yeah, that's, I've had those types of challenges and yeah. you know, it's maybe not exactly the same, but it's inspiring that, you know, you've been able to overcome it or, you know, you said, Oh, I've tried it a few different ways. Or like you just said now, like, Hey, does anybody have a recommendation for, for a VA? So that's the cool part is that we can help each other on, on the things that are similar in our business. So for those, those listeners that in the right club nation that are just getting started or maybe have one or two in their portfolio, Maybe it's kind of like a, a two-pronged question, but what are some mistakes that you made throughout or what you would have changed or wouldn't have done as, as you kind of grew your portfolio? So maybe some of our Right Club Nation can avoid those mistakes. Yeah. So I'd say in the multifamily space, I mean, there was a few properties early on that, you know, I wish I would have, you know, had an accepted offer that I look back now and I understand why I didn't. Uh, and it goes back to valuation. So I think how properties got, so people are look, making to look, uh, looking to make the jump from single family, duplex, et cetera, to multifamily. I think one, get a, get a, get a coach, get a coach, someone who's done it for sure. I wouldn't say it's as difficult as people may think, but there are some things to consider. Definitely the valuation piece. So knowing how to value a property properly, especially in a competitive market, having an offer that makes sense. Because I think, I mean, I, I you know, I've been the beneficiary on at least one property where I was competing with another offer that was 
I guess, quote unquote, totally out of left field. And I'm glad it was because I ended up purchasing it. Um, and it's because the that other investor, I don't know exactly who it was, but told by the realtor that they were coming into multifamily without any experience and the way they valued the property was like a single family. And so I benefited from that because I had, I had a little better structure. So I think a, I think a coach or a course, I think a course from yesterday from Claire, I think that was, that was a great start to get people thinking in that type of space. And I think getting your, getting your financing lined up, that's another piece. It, it, it is different. It is different in this space or at least the multifamily space than it is in single family. Also, I think there's a myth out there that, you know, you don't need to rely upon your personal kind of income or net worth for multifamily. You absolutely do. They don't look at the same ratios, but if you are on title, they are going to look at your net worth and your portfolio. So it's not a hundred percent about the property, which I think is, I think has a, a, there's a lot of people thinking that it may be easier to get financing because of that. Well, that's, it's not totally true. They do look at you as a person. Have you, do you have experience managing? Do you have the, you know, the net worth to support if something goes wrong? So I think you want to kind of, want to check, do their checks and balances first and almost prepare themselves to put an offer in place. What helped me in the, the flipping as well as the single family rental as, and then into, into the multifamily is just go look at deals and analyze deals. Analyzing deals, I think, is kind of, like a, it's kind of like a muscle. You get better at it the more you do it, right? You know, people get fit and toned if they go to the gym. Well, go to the an, analytics gym. Set a goal to analyze five deals a day. Uh, or sorry, a day or even a week. So five deals a day is a lot, but five deals a week is good, right? Because then it just gets to the mind turning. You learn more about the properties in the area that you're going after. You become, I talked about it yesterday, you become like a, an NOI or cap rate ninja, right? So it just starts to be a little more natural. But I think people should just start analyzing deals right away, you know, whether they're you know, a month away from buying something or six months away from buying something. I think that's, that's, that, that'd be a good first step. Absolutely. Some really great insights, some really great advice. Now you mentioned NOI and a lot of people might know what it means, but for those that don't, can you talk about what is NOI? What does it stand for and how do you sure. calculate it? Sure. Yeah. So NOI is, is uh, net operating income. And uh, so I think even in the single family uh, space and buy and hold, it's a similar concept. And essentially it's the gross revenue. So any money coming into the property, whether it's rents would be the primary one, most likely if it's a, if it's a hundred percent residential property, perhaps parking or laundry or even storage. So any income coming in subtracted by the operating expenses, not including your financing costs. And so if you subtract your gross income minus your expenses, then you have your net operating income. Nice. Perfect. And you know what? And it's funny is, we get lost and sometimes I know even in yesterday in the course, we were using all these acronyms and different things and a few people I just put up their head and say, can you just yeah. explain that? Right. And I think I, I love how you said that is the, the analytics gym and, and it's practicing those muscles is we can't control the market. We can't control what comes up for sale. We can't control who's selling what or what buildings are available. What we can control is our efforts, right? In terms of what we're doing day in and day out. And like you said, is, is working that and practicing that. So when that deal does come and present itself. And I, I think people, there's a misnomer as well too, that there's that one home run of a deal that it's, that's the only deal that they have to do, but it's looking through so many of them practicing. And then once eventually going and buying, then you're, you're comfortable and have that comfort level at least to say, Hey, I know where, I know where I can make some money. I know where I can save some money and together you make the deal. Cause 
you don't find amazing deals. You find good deals and then right. you make them, right? 100%. Um, yeah. So I, I, love, you, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's so, it's so true. And I think there's a, yeah, it's so true. And I think it's in, it's in the numbers where you may, and again, it's real estate. The other thing about real estate, it's so creative, right? And I just go back to Claire's course yesterday. And, and the, you know, there was two properties that were analyzed across 20 tables and there was 20 different strategies pretty much. And that's amazing. And so it really, you know, it's not a transactional business. There's a lot of creativity that goes into it. So, you know, the way you look at numbers, what Sarah, you may look at numbers maybe different than I do. And it's in that difference in perspective that there could be, you know, an opportunity. And so, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the, the great thing about this business that we're, that we're all in. Absolutely. And it, Claire's event has been a huge hit and we did it two years in a row now. It was uh, year number two, but I think it's going to become one of those staples because that is one of the courses that I've been to. And every single year I've learned a ton of stuff, many different things each year. And it is just like the best because then you get a workshop and you actually get to analyze and put everything from the learning into practice. So I think we'll just do it again next year. What do you think, Alfonso? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. And the cool part is now we had him, you know, another amazing presenter like you, Mark, you know, that's has actually walked it and, and, and done it and, and made great deals out of good deals that you found, right? And it's not this impossible thing where you're driving by these you know, hundred unit buildings and it's unattainable. It's you're in that room having conversations with people that are just saying, Hey, I think I should invest in real estate. Or I just read this thing that real estate's a good thing to invest in. And it's, we have a whole plethora of different people of different experiences. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be uh, it's, it was a huge hit. I can't believe how many smiles people's heads were kind of blowing up. And, and again, like you, like you said, Mark, it, it's, you get good at what you do. If you don't practice it, you're not going to become good at it. So that's right. But uh, so I think uh, we've reached the part of the podcast of the lightning round. So Mark, are you ready for the lightning round? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a shocker, I guess. Eh? Okay. All right. <laughs> so 30 seconds or less for each answer. Ready? Okay. Yep. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Laurel Simmons. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced real estate investor or a beginner. It's really easy to lose focus and not accomplish what you set out to do. And when you get right down to it, the reason usually is pretty basic. Your why isn't big enough or clear enough to keep you going. Don't give up. Don't stop. Take a breather from your busy day and think about what you've set out to do and why you're doing it. And while you're taking a break, go to www.thewhyfactorbook.com. There, you can sign up to find out when Laurel's upcoming book, The Why Factor, Why I Eat and Drink My Way Around the World, and Why You Can Too, will be released. And when you do, you'll get free access to a short audio called What's Your Story? Question number one, Mark, what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Okay, you know what? There's, there's one, there's a lot of good advice. I think so. I think going out networking events are you know, a plethora of advice, but there's, there's one, and I live by it today and and I, I i got it out in speaking to a fairly wealthy businessman at a, a networking event who has a ton of properties um, across canada and it was a time where i was really trying to figure out where do i where do i spend my time i mean how do i design my life going forward and this was about five years ago or so and he said design your life first then design your business around your life and he kind of you know, said that i was like oh that's so simple and it's wow, and it, it, pretty profound. And ever since then, it's kind of that's the path that I've been on. Is what? How do I want to live? How do I want to live with my family? What do I want to do? 
And that becomes, that's filter number one for me in terms of all the, the business streams, that's checkbox number one. Does it fit the lifestyle or will it fit the lifestyle once things, once the plan works out? So I would say that's, that's the most profound connected to that similar idea. If people are looking to scale their business, it's in order to scale, you, you can't, you have to stop working in the business. So being kind of the person that's hands-on, you got to start working on the business. You kind of got to oversee it like a CEO. And so those things are too connected. And, and that kind of has been life-changing for me. That, that's a great answer. And you mentioned it earlier when you brought up your, your family and your boys and, and your wife and, and that why, and that you said you get choked up. And I think that's what that guiding light is. And, and one, of, one of my biggest mentors in my life, you said it's, it's the why that makes you cry. Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, and like, I love that, that you design that first and work backwards from there. Right. So that's, yeah. that's amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to take that to heart as well too. So, so I love when we have like analysts or stats guys and numbers guys on the podcast, because I love getting into that. I'm not a big numbers guy, but I love reading the stats from different presenters. So question number two of the lightning round, what is your favorite real estate investing resource? Yeah, good question. So resource. Okay. So I'll, I'll maybe, I'll maybe, maybe it's a tool, which is a resource too. I, I think, uh, and it's free, right? And it's Google, it's Google Docs, right? So Google Sheets as, as a resource for me. So I have two calculators that are on Google Sheets. I have a flip calculator and I have a, a multifamily calculator. And anywhere from anywhere, um, I don't have to be in front of my computer on my phone. I can quickly do you know, is this deal good? Is it not? Should I spend more time on it? So I think everyone should kind of have, you know, it could be Dropbox or maybe Google Docs, but Google Docs for me has been, you know, life-changing because I am able to run the business from anywhere, store my files from anywhere, share things from anywhere. So that again, goes back to why did I do that? Well, because I don't want to be tied to a desk and I want to, you know, I'm on the road a lot with my kids rep hockey and we like to travel, etc. And so I need to have access to things anywhere. And so that has been a, a big kind of tool or I guess resource for me in terms of information sources and like networking events. And I like to read uh, market reports, what's going on in markets. Just so, you know, one, I guess I'm, I geek out on that kind of stuff and also allows me to speak intelligently to joint venture partners. Why Hamilton? You know, why St. Catharines? Why are you, why are we there? Why are you there? Well, I can, I can speak to it with facts versus emotions and feelings. Amazing. Two great resources. And as you were talking about Google Docs, I was just thinking I need to get set up a little bit better because I'm still somewhat old school. Like I have a Mac computer, but <laughs> everything is just in folders still. So thank yeah. you for that. You're, you're putting some fire under my butt to, to get some of this stuff brought into 2019. <laughs> and I knew the analyst here was going to say something about a spreadsheet. For <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, the interesting thing is, so uh, when it, actually this happened my first flip, is I, I built all these folders and I built like a, a CRM system and adopted some from another CRM system. I built all this thing out of one property. And, uh, and I showed it to a few people and they said, you know, why, why are you doing that? You, you're doing a lot of work for one property, right? And my response was, well, it's not, this is not going to be one property. It's easy to do it right now because it's only one property. You have one set of documents, one set of folders, et cetera. But when there's, you know, five on the go, 10 on the go, et cetera, instead of scrambling to build that out, you now have that in place. It's easier to do it now. So I think anyone starting out, you know, imagine you have 10, 20 things on the go, uh, build it for that. And that's kind of this, a scaling, I guess a scaling mindset. Amazing, that's great. Thanks for sharing. So Mark, question number three of our lightning round. What is the one attribute that has made you most successful? I think, uh, I think persistence. 
I think persistence. I think er, early on, even uh, some <laughs> realtors in my family thought, well, that's not going to work. Well, you know, on the on the flip side, like why why is someone going to sell you their house for under market value? And I was like, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. So I think I think in the face of a lot, not a lot of no's, and I have a lot of supportive people around me, but critical some you know, people that are critical of things. I think persistence. I think. Uh, Having, I guess, the ability to continue pressing forward has been one. I think that kind of goes back to my university days. And I think working late nights, <laughs> working late nights has also been uh, kind of part of that as well. Right. I love that. Doing what you got to do so you can do what you want to do, right? Yeah, totally. Yes, nice. absolutely. Nice. So, all right. Last question of the lightning round. And first of all, you're so kind enough to share and, and volunteer your time yesterday as well uh, at the Saturday, a full day event where we were there eight till i don't know six so some people yeah. were there till um Plus, now, uh, and then afterwards i feel like you dragged us to jack astor's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we gotta yeah we gotta get the networking juices flowing yeah right? yeah yeah Absolutely. without much information we gotta kill some brain cells too to balance <laughs> that's right that's right but uh, and, and again you've been so kind enough to share your time this morning but on, on, a, on a typical sunday morning what does that look like for you your family what are you doing on a sunday morning most times yeah, yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, I have three, three kids, three boys. I mean, there are, there are two of them are in, in rep hockey and one is in hockey, just about to be in rep hockey. So literally Sundays, typically, actually, this Sunday is the first Sunday of off season. So this is kind of like very relaxing. So typically we're in the rink like four times on a Sunday. So with three of my boys, I play as well. So Sundays are, we're in the rinks always. Uh, it, during the summertime, um, we like to camp a lot, spend you know time in our pool. Kids love that. So that, that's, that's helpful. So today I'm looking forward to just, you know, no hockey, no stuff, just kind of relaxing and kind of just hanging out at home. Sounds fun. Now, Mark, if our Right Club Nation wanted to reach out and learn more about you, where can they go? Uh, yeah, sure. So email uh, or website. So email is mark at peakpropertyinvestments.ca. Website is peakpropertyinvestments.ca. And I spend a lot of time on Instagram uh, at mark underscore Balthazar. That's awesome. And you guys can find those in the show notes as well, too, to, to get a hold of Mark. Any last words of advice or anything that you want the Right Club Nation to know? I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think one, one I mean, things that you guys are doing and, and sharing the information that you're sharing, I think, gives people the confidence that they, they can do it. I think there's sort of really three things that people need. You know, they need the right mindset, um, at least for real estate, money or expertise, you only really need one personally to move forward. And that's mindset. If you have that, and I think a lot of people in your room have that, there's ways to get money, there's ways to get expertise. You know, it's all, uh, I wouldn't say at your fingertips, but kind of even in the room that you have. So I think if it, you know, people have the mindset to do it and the drive to do it, it can definitely get done. And I think just getting started. I think it's, it's going to feel scary uh, at first, but uh, there's so many people around them and in, in your group that's going to help them get forward but just just get started I, I wish i started it i think i think all investors wish they started way earlier than they did i'm definitely in that bucket so i think just kind of get get started and, and leverage your support network i love that just get started leverage your support network mark you are a regular at the right club you come out at our monthly events so thank you for all of your support and guys if you want to meet mark come out to our events we have them monthly, except for July and August. Other than that, they are every single month. Mark, you are a wealth of knowledge and insight and information. So thank you very, very much for being on the show. And uh, thanks for spending Sunday morning with us. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Alfonso. Thank thanks a so lot, Mark.
That was awesome. Mark has so much information, so much insight. That cap rate explanation, I mean, like he's he's really able to take a lot of the complex content and dissect it down to just very simple ways to understand things. You know, what did you take from it, Alfonso? Well, absolutely. And I, you know, I called him like the, the analyst and, you know, I'm fortunate. I have a business partner that's very similar to Mark. That's, you know, very analytical and looks at the numbers and just looks at the facts. And, and what I took from him is just a very, he's just a very sharp guy and just practical applications of what, of what he's doing is getting to know his business. Like you said, it's like working out a muscle in your body, right? Like he's analyzed enough deals, looked at enough deals to say, hey, this is what I'm comfortable with. He knows what to look for. And that comes with experience. But also he mentioned is that he had mentors, he had coaches, people that were helping him along the way and now applying it into his everyday business. And, and uh, yeah, that's what I took is that you, you need to practice. You need to practice what you're doing. It's not just going to come naturally. You have to do it once and twice and 10 times and 50 times and 100 times to keep going through that to get to that eventual success point, right? Absolutely. This is the really cool part is if we weren't doing this podcast, we wouldn't get to know all of these awesome people and just all the different types of strategies that they're utilizing, what's working for them. And it really is like the best way to grow. I mean, I've, I've learned more doing this podcast than I could have ever learned in any reading any book or any other way. I mean, of course, networking is important too, but this podcast, I mean, thanks for being an awesome co-host in, in uh, doing this with me and, uh, and that ready, fire, aim mentality. We're just doing it. It's not perfect, but you know, at least, uh, at least we're able to help people out there. That's the goal. Absolutely. And, and Sarah, I can't thank you enough. Cause I remember, you know, obviously I, you know, I was a guest on, on your podcast, where should I invest? And, and you're I like, was, you turned me down originally just saying I was, I was, I was really, I was really hesitant. I was scared. I was, I was scared. I got to admit, I was, I was really nervous. I, you know, I never expected, I didn't know what podcasts were until I met you. And then I started listening to podcasts. Then you started your podcast and I started listening to yours. And you're right. The quality of people, the amazing people that we've been able to meet through the Right Club community, number one at the live events, but then the one-on-one -on -one times, or I guess the two-on-one time that we have with them on these podcasts and the, and the conversations that we have and just the information that so willing to share. No one, no one on this podcast or no one that I've met yet in our Right Club community is like, no, I'm not sharing that with you. You can't know that. I don't think I've ever heard that through the two plus years now that we that we've been we've been organizing these events and putting and doing the podcast. That's the cool part is, and I heard it. I think it was on another podcast that one of your interviews that you're never going to have haters that are more successful than you, right? So the people that want you to succeed are probably you know they're succeeding as well. So they're not usually the haters are the ones that are like not happy of where they are or they you know maybe there's like a jealousy factor or something like that but that's the cool part is that we're all helping each other succeed we have similar struggles and that i can't stress that enough no matter what we're doing there's always going to be a set of challenges there's always going to be a set of problems and there's going to be a skill set that we each have that are going to be able to overcome those and then we work with others that have complementing skill sets to to tackle those other challenges that we have and and yeah, again, Sarah, thank you so much. Like podcast, I, I'm not an Apple guy. I have the Samsung, I have, you know, Windows, all that kind of stuff. I thought you had to have it like an iPod to have a podcast. So I like that. I was completely, completely naive to this whole podcast world. Now, I, I don't need, I barely, I still listen to music every once in a while. But if I'm in my car or if I'm hanging around the house, I usually have 
some podcast on listening to that. So I can't thank you enough for that. That's really cool, Alfonso. You're, you're a great co-host. I couldn't think of anybody better than you to be able to co-host this because we're, we're like, actually, you're, you're definitely one of the people I hang out with the most now because Monday evenings we're, <laughs> we're doing these and Sunday mornings we're doing these. So I mean, like that's probably like six hours of time with you every single week. <laughs> that's right. And yeah, not, not to mention, you know, the planning meetings and the time and effort. And I think that's where we've been really able to click along with Laurel and Daniel is that we, we actually care. Like, yes, we all have our own successful businesses that we're working on operating. You're still working full time as well, too. And having those responsibilities, but it's the, the 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 mutual care and helping other people achieve success. Because if we can help people achieve what they want to get and their successes, I think our successes comes hand in hand with that. We we want to keep helping other people. And again, yeah, if if you have an amazing story, like I said, I've only spoken to Mark a few words here and there, and and now getting to know him a little bit better through this interview, I'm sure there's like. I don't know, at least hundreds more, if not tens of more people that have an interesting story, how they started, what was stopping them at first, now what their new challenge is to keep growing. We want to hear those stories. We want to spotlight that. We really, really, really want to make this podcast about the Right Club community and sharing those amazing individual stories that we can share together and, and get inspiration from. So please, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really well said. And the other thing, guys, is go and get your free copy of the ebook, the ebook that is on our website at therightclub.com. It's all of the challenges and how a lot of the experts along the lines of Mark, I don't know if Mark's in the book, but a lot of the real estate experts that are in there talking about that and sharing that. And actually, you know what? I was just, as you were talking, going through some of the ratings and reviews and Mark actually left a rating and review for us. So thank you, Mark. <laughs> he awesome. said great podcast for new and veteran investors, helping the investors up their game. That's really cool. And actually we got a good one from uh, Frank D another, another one that says, uh, thank you, Sarah and Alfonso for putting together an awesome series of informative podcasts centered around investing and Canadian real estate. I'm planning on starting my own journey and the series of podcasts might be just the boost or kick in the pants that I am very much that I very much need. You guys also deliver the information in a very down to earth and fun format. I usually want the podcast to go on even longer. I hope to come out to a live event soon. Thank you, Frank. That is awesome. I love that. Frank D, thank you very much. And and along those lines as well, too, we we love we love the feedback. We love to hear what, what you like. We, we want to hear what you don't like. We want to know how we can improve. And even just earlier this week, for me, it was kind of touching is that uh, I, at uh, the, the OREC conference in London, I reconnected with a friend that I went to elementary school with, and he's been listening to the podcast. He like downloaded them all. And, and you know, he did like, I don't know, like it was like, it felt like 20 Instagram stories <laughs> about the right club, the podcast about you, about me. And, and that's the cool part is like, I haven't seen this guy for like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. And, you know, maybe. Oh, is that Nick? That was Nick. Yeah. Nick awesome. Black, Thanks, yeah, Nick. <laughs> Black Oak, yeah. Black Oak Properties. And, and that's the cool part is that like other people in, in other circles of my life, like sent that to me and I already saw it, but they had sent that to me and be like, oh, look, look what this guy's saying. And, and that's the cool part. It's not that we're doing that like for the pat on the back, but just that, uh, that change somebody's life just for a little yeah. bit for the better. If it's one inch better, it's better. Right. So that, that's the cool part is that if we can be inspirational somehow, we're looking for inspiration ourselves. We're driving each other and how we can get better. We're, we're in the journey along the way with everybody else. We don't pretend that we have all the, all the answers because we're asking the questions. We're going and finding all those answers. So if there are answers, pressing topics, 
things that you guys want to discuss. You know, we talk about, you know, the major strategies, the multis, the burrs, the, the rent-to-owns, the commercials. But if there's something that we haven't covered yet, we're going to go and try to find the best of the best people because that's who we want to associate with, the people that are doing it at a high level, that are going to continue to, to, to strive to keep doing it better and not resting on our laurels and continuing to grow and get better. And, and that's what we want for everybody in the Right Club Nation. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. And guys, if you haven't come out to an event yet, please reach out to us either at Sarah at the right club.com or Alfonso at the right club.com. Let us know you haven't been out yet and your first free pass is on us. So feel free to come out every single month. We will have an event except for the summer, but uh, guys, right club nation. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. All right. Come grow with us next week, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.